Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Easter Monday, April 10th, 2023. The Feast of Saints. Magdalene of Canosa, wealth and privilege did, not, did nothing to prevent today's saint from following her calling to serve Christ in the poor, nor did the protest of her relatives concerned that such work was beneath her. And born in northern Italy in 1774, Magdalene knew her mind and spoke it. At the age of 15, she announced she wished to become a nun. After trying out her vocation with the cloistered Carmelites, she realized her desire was to serve the needy without restriction. For years, she worked among the poor and sick in hospitals and in their homes, and also among delinquent and abandoned girls. In her mid-twenties, Magdalene began offering lounging to poor girls in her own home. In time, she opened a school which offered a practical training in religious instruction. As other women joined her in the work, the new congregation of the Kenosians Daughters of Charity, or Kenosian Sisters, emerged. Over time, houses were opened throughout Italy. Members of the new religious congregation focused on the education and spiritual needs of women. Madeline also founded a smaller congregation for priests and brothers, and both groups continue to this day. St. Magdalene of Canosa, pray for us. And happy Monday of the octave of Easter to you. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. And I hope you had a blessed Easter. I hope everything went just splendidly. I hope your uh, Triduum was excellent. Hope you ever be able to make it to Good Friday liturgy and Holy Saturday liturgy. All those things. A very wonderful time. I know me and my family. We had a great time. We had uh, my my aunt and my uncle made a barbecue. My dad made a chicken, and we had sausage. And it was just a, a great time. Easter is always one of the one of the. It's technically the biggest holiday of the year. I know many places though they just it's the like third biggest holiday of the year but in reality it is the biggest holiday and the good news is that it keeps on going because now we are in the octave of Easter so you get to celebrate Easter day for 8 days straight. Good morning to you Tito Edwards. Good morning Adrian Fonseca. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. What a beautiful Easter Monday it is today. Yesterday was glorious. The mass was incredible I, I it was an uplifting it was a beautifully sung and pious and reverent mass I, that was the closest I've ever felt to heaven and and the many mo- times that I've attended mass that was incredible thank you for asking amen amen did you do anything exciting for on Easter day yes my uh, wife and I we took our in-laws and we went uh, unfortunately there there were some uh, businesses open, and and uh, one of them, the, the only one in the area, was Latin Bites, and we had uh, delicious Peruvian cuisine. I had a churrasco. My wife had, uh, I can't remember what they had, but it was a beautiful day, and then we drove home, and we walked the dogs and, and celebrated Easter at home, having cake and ice cream. It was glorious. Thank you for asking. Good. Praise be to God. You know, um, after we went to Easter Vigil and we got out of Mass at about 2 in the morning, and the uh, when we got out of Mass, my some of my friends were like, hey, 
y'all want to go to Denny's? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> um, but uh, we went nonetheless. And we so we went to Denny's and we, whew, it's too early, too late at night. I'm like, I'm an old man. I was like, we got, we didn't get served our food until three in the morning. And I was thinking, this is when I'm like getting up to go to work. Why on earth am I awake right now? <laughs> I need to go to bed. Uh, so I was planning on going to to mass on Sunday as well, but I, it was just I I didn't get up. I was trying to get up at eight to get to mass, and I was nope, just was not happening. But at fifteen past the hour, we're going to be talking about the problems with marriage prep. I was talking, all my friends are getting married right now, and so this is on my mind. And I just was texting a buddy of mine who's getting married uh, next week. And we were just going back and forth, and I was talking to my parents, and and I have some th- some thoughts about marriage prep that I'd like to talk about. At thirty past the hour, my friend Trevor Alcorn, he's uh, with Tridentine Brewing or Tridentine Brewing, depending on your particular pronunciation. And we're going to be talking about the whole situation with Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney. That'll be an interesting conversation coming at thirty past the hour. And in the next hour, we have an all-new Fear and Trembling game show where you could win prizes. All this and more is coming up. But let's begin in prayer. We're going to be praying for whatever it is that you have to pray for, whatever it is that you are is on your heart, praying for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for, all those in need. We're going to be praying for those intentions, and we'll be doing that, and praying for a blessed and wonderful Easter octave. We're praying to the Holy Ghost in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Oremus, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same spirit, we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Easter Monday, April 10th, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency reports a group of more than 3,000 Catholics in the Archdiocese of St. Louis sent a letter to Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky last week asking him to halt plans to merge numerous parishes in the coming years. The Archdiocese of St. Louis, the largest and oldest in Missouri, is in the midst of a major pastoral planning initiative dubbed All Things New. An as-yet undetermined number of the current 178 parishes will close or merge in the next three years. Vatican News reports Kiev says Russia has launched massive attacks on provinces that Moscow annexed but does not yet fully control, killing at least four people and injuring seven, including at least two children. The strikes just before Easter came after authorities told Christians and others not to gather in large groups to celebrate Christ's resurrection. The flag of Vatican City, with its distinctive yellow and white, is instantly recognizable to many Catholics, reported by CNA. Likely, far few people, though, have scrutinized the papal coat of arms on the right-hand side, instead taken to intricate design, which includes the famous cross keys for, for granted. In Wikipedia, as it turns out, there's a good chance that the coats of arms on many of the Vatican flags you've seen out in the world are rendered incorrectly. And it took until 2023 of this year for the Internet to start taking notice. For distinction, the keys in the flag of the Vatican are actually brown, not yellow. 
And finally, Catholic News Agency reports a federal judge in Texas issued a much-anticipated ruling last Friday that if it upholds in court, could take the abortion drug Mifepristine off pharmacy shelves due to safety concerns and in doing so prevent over half of the abortions that take place in the country. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 through 15. Whereupon they left the tomb in fear and in great rejoicing and ran to tell the news to his disciples. And while they were on their way, all at once Jesus met them and said, All hail! With that they came near to him and clung to his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and give word to my brethren to remove into Galilee. They shall see me there. They had not finished their journey when some of the guards reached the city and told the chief priest of all that befell. These gathered with the elders to take counsel and offered a rich bribe to the soldiers. Let this, they said, be your tell. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this should come to the ears of the governor, we will satisfy him and see that no harm comes to you. The soldiers took the bribe and did as they were instructed, and this is the tale which has gone abroad among the Jews to this day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's funny how the the scripture passage from Matthew, Matthew says, this is a tale that goes abroad from the, among the Jews to this day. It's funny because it's true. The Jews to this day, he was true back then in like 60 AD, but it's even true today in 2023 that the Jews are still saying that the the uh, or the body of our Lord was just taken, and it did not, and he did not rise. Now, Cornelius Alapide commenting on this passage, he says, according to verse 8, and they went out quickly and with fear, that is, with a sacred trembling, which was caused by the sepulcher of Christ and the angels, and the resurrection of Christ announced by the angels to them, and which came upon them in the sorrow for the death of Christ and in their thought about anointing him as a thing not only unexpected, but well nigh incredible. Wherefore, a new fear was added, lest the vision of angels was only a phantom which deceived them, and lest the body of Jesus had been stolen. Now, it's very interesting because in the pre-55 Easter vigil liturgy, it was there was no creed that was done. You had the, the threefold call and response, Alleluia. You had the Alleluia, Alleluia, and then Alleluia, Alleluia, and then Alleluia, Alleluia, in honor of the Holy Trinity. Now, this was associated with the women who went to, to the tomb and they believed because they were had a piety, a faith, and they went to go see our Lord. Now, this is contrasted against, in the old liturgy, there was no creed said during the Easter Vigil. No creed, nor no profession of faith. So you might have gone to your Easter Vigil where they had the profession of faith where they went up and say, do you renounce Satan? You say, I I do renounce him. And you'd have this kind of call and response. This was not present in the pre-55 liturgy because you had the alleluias in regard to the faith of the women and the lack of creed in rebuke of the disciples who did not have faith at the time, that they were in fear of the Jews and they were in fear 
and they had lacked the belief of the women who had the courage to go to the tomb to try to actually anoint his body. So that was why the liturgy was that way, and it was later changed, and that was removed. And with great joy, because they had seen the angels and had received them the joyful news of his resurrection. Their minds, therefore, were alternating between joy and fear, says St. Jerome. A twofold feeling possessed the minds of the women, fear and joy. Fear at the greatness of the miracle and joy in their desire for him that was risen. A beautiful thing. Now, tropologically, Ravanu says Jesus sometimes meets those who are entering on the path of virtue by helping them. Moreover, Eve is to us the mother of perdition and of sorrow. But these women, instead of the word Eva, bear the word Ave because they were the messengers of the resurrection. Salvation and joy, hence we sing to the Blessed Virgin, the mother of Christ, the queen of these women, the hymn Ave Maria Stella. Now, hell in the Greek, that is rejoice, is the in the Syriac, peace be to you. For this is the proper salutation of the Hebrews, in which under the name of peace they pray for every blessing and every felicity. And the Arabic rejoice because ye see your master now alive again. So after the example of Christ, blessed souls and angels, when they appear to men, cause joy. But demons and the souls of the damned cause sorrow, fear, and despair. Remember, God is not the author of confusion, but the author of order and joy. Now, St. Chrysostom says, because a woman was made the cause of sorrow to man, now women are made the ministers of joy to men. And Martin Luther wrongly concludes from these words of Christ that women may preach, for it is one thing to tell, another to preach. But if Christ had said to Magdalene, preach, she might and ought to have preached. Now, this is an important point to note because, yes, women were chosen here to minister to the men that the joy of the resurrection. But this is not an injunction to women to be preachers of the gospel, meaning the people who are at the pulpits, the people who are ministers of the word. This is reserved for the clerics. And this was the case even in the earliest days. And there was the error of Martin Luther to say this proves that women should be able to preach at the altar. A very important point to, to note. Now, the last thing to note here is the order in which things happened. Now, I won't be able to go through all of it, so I only want to focus on one thing. According to all the fathers of the church, according to all the mystics and saints, Christ appeared six times after on the day of the resurrection, and he appeared first to his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is according to St. Ambrose and St. Anselm and all the doctors of the church. They say that our Lord, who loved his mother, who gave honor to his mother, who recognized that the fourth commandment was binding on him and is binding on us, that he should go and say hi to his mother when he came back. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and Christus Resurrexit, Alleluia. The response is, uh, very Resurrexit, Alleluia, which is, Christ is risen, Alleluia, and truly, He is risen, Alleluia. So let that be your call and response today. I'm going to actually change my email uh, signature to Christus Resurrexit, Alleluia, I highly recommend uh, doing something like that when you when you meet people, especially during the octave, but during the entirety of the Easter season. And greet people that way. Say, Christ is risen, hallelujah. And see how many people can uh, give you the response and maybe use it as a teaching opportunity. Be like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the proper response is uh, truly he is risen, hallelujah. What a beautiful thing. Now, I was talking to some friends of mine. I have a friend of mine getting married this weekend. Uh, my cousins are getting married the next weekend. Uh, my friend uh, Josh had just had his first baby. He got married about less than a year ago, about about a year ago, actually, at this point. I have uh, other friends that have just got engaged. I have another friend who's about to propose to his, his girlfriend. Uh, all over the place. I have all sorts of friends that are all getting married, having kids. And I've just been talking about marriage prep and these kind of topics. And I just, marriage prep is so terrible. It's just not very good. And I was really, really scandalized. I was texting a friend of mine and asking him about what his, uh, how his marriage prep was going. And I was like, hey, I was just curious, like, how, how are things going? Are you ready for, for your wedding? And he was, uh, he, I was just blown away. I asked him, he said, I was like, so how was the marriage prep classes? He says, eh, the classes were kind of dumb, to be honest. And I was like, LOL, that's kind of funny. He said, yeah, with the priest it was good, I'd say, but the marriage prep was with a deacon and a random couple that was volunteering. And the couple told us how they were having trouble conceiving and how they were against abortion, but they did IVF and fertilized eight eggs and only tried with like two or so. And I was like, bruh. And the deacon didn't say a single word. And But the couple now have a daughter and they love her very much, shrugging emoji. And I was, uh, I was like, dude, what? How does this happen? The the person that's that's supposed to be helping with your marriage prep is doing things that are in violation of church teaching. And I was talking to my parents about this, and they're like, yeah, our our marriage prep was also bad. And this was twenty six, twenty eight years ago, something like that. And my mom was telling me, she's like, yeah, our couple that was with us was uh, divorced and remarried both of them the husband and the wife were both divorced and remarried and i was like ooh, yikes how 
these are the the people that we're putting to train the future parents. And I was in married couples, and I was talking to my some of my buddies about this. They're like, "Yeah," and it's supposed to be that the marriage prep is supposed to help decline the divorce rates because you know, hopefully, the idea is you have a better time with your with your spouse, and you understand what you're getting yourself into, and all this all that jazz. But then I was talking, and even in in a lot of traditional circles, the marriage prep is is a one-time meeting with the priest for a couple hours, and it's usually with other couples, and then that's it. They kind of just give you the rundown of, okay, this is what marriage is, this is what the sacrament is, this is what everything, and it gives a rundown. And I'm thinking to myself, when you become a priest, you have to go through eight years or more of preparing yourself for this. But for marriage, now dating, and now ideally your your courtship should be part of your marriage prep, but it's not. It's usually a near occasion of sin most of the time, but it should be, but it's not. So that means we have to adjust for that. So you have your dating, which who knows how good or how bad that is for a particular couple. And then you have your engagement period. And that engagement period is at least usually six months. At most, it's like a year. Uh, for some people, it's way more than that, but ideally it would be around that time. And in that time, you take a couple, maybe a once a month class, and maybe less than that, maybe a retreat. And they're like, all right, you're ready to have kids and be married. It seems very strange to me. It seems very odd. So I found this article by The Pillar that came out in 2022 uh, titled, As Pope Francis Calls for More Marriage Prep, Catholic Marriage Rates on the Decline. And I thought that was very interesting. So the pillar talks about this in their article saying that Pope Francis is calling for a greater marriage prep, quoting Pope Francis saying, what emerged was a serious concern that with too superficial a preparation, couples run the real risk of entering into a marriage that is null and void and has a weak foundation that it falls apart in a short time and cannot withstand even the first inevitable crises. It is structured according to three stages, the marriage prep that he's uh, proposing, the preparation for marriage, remote, proximate, and immediate. The celebration of the wedding, and then the accompaniment of the first years of married life. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's the the proper way of doing marriage prep. But I also don't have a better better solution. I'm curious to know your thoughts on marriage prep about what you think. If you can join us in the next hour during the after show at thirty past the next hour, I would love to have you. Hop on our YouTube channel, our Facebook, our our Rumble, our Odyssey channels, and leave a chat about what your thoughts about marriage prep are. Because I don't, I'm not I'm not proposing any solutions. All I know is that the situation we have is not really working because the amount of marriages in general. So people are saying, okay, but it has helped because divorce rates have gone down. But that's not the case because yes, divorce rates have gone down, but marriages overall have gone down. So if there's less marriages, there obviously are going to be less divorces. So that's a concern. Uh, Tito, you're a married person. Uh, how is your marriage prep? Do you, is this uh, according to your experience? What are your thoughts? The marriage pre uh, prep for me and my wife were rudimentary. We, we knew uh, somewhat well our faith at, le at the at bare minimum. And uh, we met with the deacon weekly 
until our uh, wedding. Granted, we had a truncated uh, a prep because we were ready and, and, and willing, and they had an opening that was earlier than scheduled, and we took it. But I have to say that when we went to the uh, chancery for the overall marriage preparation with many other couples, it was sophomoric, to say the least. I, I felt like we were at band camp or something, as some sort of summer camp. And it was superficial as far as what uh, was being taught. Nothing controversial. It's just be nice to each other, talk, and, and then do these exercises together. And when, I, we, we, when we mingled with the other couples, it seemed that most of them were just there to, to put a check mark. Okay, mm -hmm. I got this done. I'm, gonna get, I'm prepared for marriage. Many of them were defiant as far as, oh, we, we really don't believe anything that they're teaching us here. And uh, we're just doing this because we, we have to do this in order to be married in the church. So inside the cathedral or inside a church. So it, it was a little disconcerting telling me that maybe their preparation by their priest or deacon was n unsatisfactory. Yeah, I mean, it's very concerning. And I, I've, that's kind of what my experience has been with all of my friends. Obviously, I myself have not gone through it, not married. <laughs> uh, but I have dozens of friends who are going through it currently or have just recently gone through it. And it's the same experience. And I don't know. I mean, that's my problem. I don't have a solution for the problem. All I know is that this is a problem and it really needs to be solved because Pew Research has found that 25% of Catholics have been divorced as compared to 31% of the general population. How is it that Catholics are just barely doing better than the general population in terms of divorce and remarriage when Catholic teaching says that you can't get divorced? This is a very concerning story, especially when the 50% of first marriages, and I think it's horrible that it says first marriages, end in divorce within 20 years. So if, you, if you're married and you've gone past 20 years, congratulations to you. You are doing better than 50% of all marriages. This is a very concerning story, especially whenever we see that the 68% of uh, marriages of Catholics don't even get married in the church. They're only civilly married. This is very concerning. And I think... This is uh, a great sign that things are not going well. And I think I think a lot of this, I was talking to a priest friend of mine not too long ago. I won't reveal his name because he might get in trouble for this. But he was <laughs> telling me that uh, he said that he prides himself that because he, he does marriage prep one-on-one -on -one with the, with the, with the uh, families, with the proposed couples. And he says he prides himself that he get, breaks up a large percentage of the couples that come to him to get married. And he said, it sounds bad, but like you just saw in the statistics, 50% of marriages end in divorce within the first 20 years. And this is including Catholics that most Catholics don't even get married in the church that most Catholic, that the 30 something percent of Catholics end in divorce or 25% of Catholics end up in divorce. This is a big, big deal. And so he says, well, if they're going to get divorced, well, I want them to break up before they enter into the sacramental marriage. And so he prides himself. He's like, no, I mean, I'm not trying to break them up, but I'm, I'm telling them the truth about what the situation is. I'm helping them reveal their faults and to each other. I'm helping them reveal the things that they're kind of clouded about because they are in this uh, puppy love of being having already been living together, having been dating for six years. Oh, my goodness. And these kind of situations that people are in. 
And they say they pr- he prides himself on the fact that he is able to reveal to them that maybe they are not actually made for each other. And how many parents are thinking to themselves, like, I told my kids that that person was not the person for them. And the parents uh, they, and the uh, kids did not listen. Well, this is something that has to be dealt with. And I don't know if there can be a some kind of I mean, it might just be that this, this is a broken system and it requires uh, families to be completely changed. That It has to start in a from the beginning. Like instead of dating, there has to be a, a courtship rather than a marriage. Amen. I mean, rather than a dating, rather a courtship where they have proper boundaries set, that they have the families involved from the beginning. And maybe the any kind of marriage prep is just not something that is even going to help at all. Can't help. It's just too late in the game. Um, I'm not sure. I'd be very curious as to people's opinions about what the, what their suggestions are, what we could possibly do. Now, this isn't the greatest concern right now. There's tons of concerning news that happened over Easter break, but it is something that, I, that came to mind yesterday, and I wanted to talk about it. In the last minute, I just want to mention a couple headlines that we missed over the weekend, and one which we're going to talk about tomorrow is that transgender teen arrested for planning a school shooting. Now, that's a very, very concerning story, which we're definitely going to be talking about tomorrow. This this is something that I think is going to be on the rise, especially I had a, a, a listener reach out to me and tell me that I am, I am fear-mongering because I'm talking about how we as Christians should be able to protect ourselves and we should uh, purchase firearms because we should be able to defend our lives should we it become necessary. Now, see, that's fear-mongering. Nothing like this is going to happen, yet we're seeing more and more every single day that these people attack folk who are sane. If you are sane, people will start pointing to you and screaming, you are sane, you are not like us, and they will try to ostracize you from society and maybe end your life and the life of your family. And because of that, we have to be prepared. So let's be prepared. But let's also recognize, let's keep in the forefront of our mind that Christ is risen. Hallelujah. And truly, he is risen. Hallelujah. Let's keep that in the forefront of our mind today, because no matter what happens, Christ is in control. And should we lose our lives for Christ's sake, we will be with him in paradise. And remember, the resurrection of body is coming. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security? Disagreement. Present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google Google search for you, Magisterium. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take 
on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Easter Monday, April 10th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency reports a top U.S. military hospital ended its contract with a community of Franciscan friars just before Hollywood. Holy Week, putting a for-profit firm in charge of Catholic pastoral care, according to the Archdiocese of the Military Services. Archbishop Brolio, the head of the Archdiocese of Military Services, blasted the move by Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Batista, Maryland, calling it incomprehensible. The medical center ended its contract with the Friars of Holy Name College in nearby Silver Spring, Maryland, on March 31st. Asian News reports Alessandro Perini, a 35-year-old Italian tourist from Rome, was killed and seven other people wounded in a terror attack carried out by Palestinian on Tel Aviv's waterfront. The attack came after a woman and her two daughters from a Jewish settlement were shot in their car yesterday morning, the day before, in northern Jordan Valley. While the daughters died, the mother is fighting for her life. These deaths came at a time when Easter, Passover, and Ramadan overlap amid a tragic trail of blood and violence that includes Hamas launching rockets against Israel and Israeli raids against Palestinian targets. And finally, the Honolulu Advertiser reports a 50-year-old man was bitten in the leg by a shark while surfing off Kerala Basin this yesterday morning. Honolulu Emergency Medical Services said, EMS said paramedics responded at 7 a.m. and administered life-saving treatment to a patient who was surfing and suffered a shark bite to the right leg. The surfer was in serious condition. Let's pray for this poor fella. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us right now via Zoom chat is Trevor Alcorn with the Tridentine Brewing, or Tridentine Brewing, depending on how you want to say it. And this is, uh, we're talking about the Dylan Mulvaney situation. I thought Trevor would be a great guest to talk about this because uh, he, as a brewer himself, is in the brewing community. And so I thought it would be a fun conversation to be able to talk about the serious issue, but also in a little lighthearted way. Uh, But first, before we get into all that, good morning to you, Mr. Trevor. Uh, How was your Easter? Good morning, Adrian. Easter was fantastic. So uh, he is is risen, and uh, I I had a great time. So so did the family. And, uh, yeah, really uh, looking forward to this Paschal Tide after the the long Lent. Amen, amen. I know. Uh, my family, we were all like, what are we going to do after uh, after Easter Vigil? And my dad and my mom um, with my sisters all went to Whataburger, and they got a big old cheeseburger and fries. And I was like, <laughs> I went to, we stopped at Denny's, and we got a big old meal. And it, was a, it was a good time, praise be to God, and very much enjoyed it. We, uh, we had a, uh, a blessed Easter, a holy triduum, and it was very good for us as well. But... You know, the the question at hand here, here we have the situation with Dylan Mulvaney, and it actually came up with us and our family for Easter because we know it's it's Easter. We want to have a, a couple good brews, and and uh, Trevor is being so kind. He actually sent me uh, some of his uh, his beer that he made uh, with the Tridentine Brewing, 
And unfortunately, though, it was not enough for me to give to my entire family. So I had to a little hide it away a little bit uh, before they got to it. And so we were like, okay, what do we get? And the, for people who don't know the story, the story is uh, Dylan Mulvaney, who is a man who identifies as a girl, he put the Budweiser uh, put or Bud Light put their can on or her, his face on their can promoting him as their spokesperson. And Anheuser-Busch, was, who's the parent company, we've decided, a lot of people have decided they want to to boycott them. So our family, we were like, okay, we're going to boycott them, so we're no Bud Light. We never buy Bud Light anyway, so what other Anheuser-Busch products do we have to avoid? And we're like, oh, no, they own Corona, they own uh, Modelo, they own uh, all these other companies. And we were like, oh, man, what are we going to do? So, Trevor, when you heard about the story, uh, what were your thoughts about the uh, the whole situation? Yeah, my so my my thought about the whole situation was uh, it's getting so much traction because it's outside of June. Uh, so typically, when June rolls around, there's so much white noise around everything, you know, surrounding the uh, the alphabet agenda that comes out, and so it's it's actually quite quite typical for beers to or beer companies even smaller craft brew companies to you know promote that agenda through various beers uh, and i i believe that anheuser-busch does as well during june i it's not quite the same uh quite as blatant uh let's just say on, on the new front the the t front the transgender front uh i don't think it's been as blatant you know usually it's supporting you know generically the the rainbow and all rainbow colored cans and, and you know things of that nature and there's just so many other companies doing it. it it's white noise but because they did it now uh you know right before holy week right in march uh, and certainly with this, uh, this Dylan Mulvaney, you know, celebrating quote, you know, 365 days as a woman end quote, uh, that, that was what the can was for. Uh, that's what got so much traction. But to me, it was a little bit unsurprising, actually, uh, based on the fact that most companies will, will do something like this. You know, that's Beer a good companies. point. I never even considered that fact when I was thinking about this, because you're right. If it happened during June, uh, probably nobody would be saying anything about it because we're just like so desensitized to the situation where we're like, oh, okay, here's another situation, another company doing it. And it's kind of like whatever at this point. A lot of people just don't even care anymore. But because it happened now, everybody kind of went up in arms about it and rightfully so. That's very interesting. I never hadn't really considered uh, that fact. But you know, what's interesting to me as well is the audience here like why do you think that they would think that the, what, what do you think is going through the mind of anheuser-busch to be able to say okay this our our population who like our beer is not uh transgender people it's not really women in general but better less so men who identify as women uh so from a, even from a marketing standpoint or something like that what do you think is going through their minds in terms of why they would do this? <laughs> well, well, at first it, it, it would seem uh, 
maybe a bit of a, a brain dead idea, right, Adrian? Because as you just mentioned, it doesn't really seem to be their uh, necessarily their their demographic. Uh, light beer is actually the most prominent uh, beer style in the entire beer market. I think it's forty percent of of beer uh, sales in the U.S. is a light beer of some type, whether it's Coors Light or Bud Light or Miller Light. Uh, so it's a huge segment. Um, so first of all, I think that, well, A, they, they don't care. So that, that's the first thing, right? They don't really care. They'll throw it in your face, whether you like it or not. I think that they're banking on people forgetting in a week, the news cycle goes so fast. Uh, the other fact is to your point, you pointed it out. Uh, you took the effort to go and look at all of the other brands that Anheuser-Busch has and no, oh no, they, they've, they they actually own all these other brands as well. I'm not going to drink those brands. Well, most people don't think that way. They'll just think, oh, I, I just hate Bud Light. Well, okay, yeah, but maybe Anheuser-Busch owns, and I'm exaggerating here, let's just say half the market. <laughs> most people aren't going to think that way. So they're not going to go boycott uh, Corona, for example. They're just going to say, stop at Bud Light or Budweiser and say, oh, I'm just not going to Budweiser again. Well, in reality, it's much larger. Uh and the other the other thing is that uh, most companies now, and I, I don't know for sure about Anheuser Busch if this was the particular reason why they do it, uh, but most companies now are adhering to what's called uh, ESG, which is almost a new social credit score for companies, uh, and that factors in heavily to financing, and it's environmental societal and uh, corporate governance. Uh, the environmental being things like, you know, quote unquote, climate change, and then societal, which is anything that's, uh, let's just say, woke in, in nature, you know, supporting whatever that agenda is, whether it's the rainbow agenda or Black Lives Matter, or things like that. And then there's the G, which is what you'd normally think would you would operate a business for just your normal operating procedures as a business. And so many companies are their credit is based on hitting these targets, this company credit score, uh, societal credit score. And so they oftentimes now there's an incentive not to care about what the consumer thinks. It's about hitting this uh, score just so that they can get credit. No, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I think that's a big part of it. I think another part of it that I that I've kind of noticed is that, like you mentioned before, pe most people don't care that much. They may be annoyed, but they're not going to go out of their way to boycott. And if they do boycott, they're just going to boycott Bud Light and not right. all their other products. And so at the end of the day, they may increase their market share from this small market of a transgender LGBT uh, folk. And and so they get a, a slight increase and they don't really lose anything from the conservatives because they all they all they just switch over to uh, to maybe, oh, I'm going to get Michelin Ultra or wait, that's owned by them or I'm going to go to get a Corona instead. Oh, that's owned by them, too. Uh, but they're not going to do the research. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about what can we do in terms of alternatives uh, do we're going to talk about possibilities of boycotts and what are some good beers to get instead uh, maybe uh there's some future happening in trying to team brewing i don't know we'll find out we'll be right back with more 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason no, with your one-minute tool for Catholic right. evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Which of these is the most difficult for you to objectively believe? Jonah lived in a whale, Moses heard God's voice in a bush, Peter's authoritative declarations would be backed by heaven, or that Daniel survived the flames of fire? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the results. Most difficult was Jonah, then Daniel, then Moses. The easiest was Peter receiving authority to grant forgiveness. Secondly, the early church was tough. You see, that authority granted to Peter could put one out of the church due to sin, and that same authority was installed to bring one back into the church through personal confession. We understand that reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. And thirdly, our Bibles are filled with promises, but this promise was to Peter, the apostles, and the generational successors of Peter known as the Catholic bishops. So here's an idea. Take a drive down your street, look up at a Catholic church, and just know this for a fact. That priest inside that church was ordained straight down through the lineage of St. Peter. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Christus resurrexit, alleluia. Resurrexit, very, alleluia. Praise be to God. Uh, we had uh, people, some people commenting, they said, because uh, I went to Denny's after Easter Vigil, people were like, Denny's is gross. Yeah, I, I actually agree. And there's no, no argument there. It's pretty gross. But at three in the morning, there's not really many options. Um, to be completely honest, I probably would have enjoyed Whataburger more, if I'm going to be completely honest. But... And that is nonetheless what happened, and their milkshake machine was broken, so we did not get a milkshake. Very sad. That happens all the time. Ah, dude, every all the time. What's up with that? Why is everything always milk, milkshake machines, ice cream machines, never working? Never working. It's always a thing, especially at, at McDonald's. What are we talking about? So true. So true. So that's kind of the situation there. But anyway, joining us right now is Trevor Alcorn with Tridentine Brewing. We're talking about a Dylan Mulvaney being advertised on Bud Light. Now, Dylan, tons of companies sponsor Dylan Mulvaney. Ulta Makeup Company does. Uh, Nike is uh, sponsored him with a with a sports bra, um, which is like, he's a man, so how does that make sense? Um, many other companies that I'm just like not thinking off the top of my head right now, but there are tons of companies that are sponsoring this guy. And the thing that's very interesting, and I want to get your take on, Trevor, is that... For the first time, we've seen real boycotts happen. Now, typically people boycott them, groups and things like that, and it's not a big deal because it's small, not it's individuals, so they're losing a couple bucks. They're, nobody really cares that much, and then people forget. They're like, oh, it's not working anymore. It's not doing anything, so I'm not going gonna to give up. I'm going to go back and start buying the product again. I'm going to cancel my Netflix and then re- get it back again in a year. Um, so... But for the first time, we had uh, Travis Tritz come out and say that he will not be he stopped selling Budweiser products at his shows. We had uh, Kid Rock say that he was going to be pulling Anheuser Busch products from his bars, and we had Travis Tritt also came out and said that uh, a ton of other uh, country singers are pulling Anheuser Busch as well from their from their tours. And they, but they are not going to say so publicly because they're fear, they're scared of being ridiculed and canceled. 
And so we're seeing real people who have large market share actually canceling the entirety of Anheuser-Busch products. So what do you think about these kind of boycotts? Can they work? Can they not work? What are your thoughts on this, Trevor? I, so uh, maybe I'm a bit, a bit jaded in my perspective. I, I would say that uh, just, just based on past boycotts, like you've, you've mentioned, for example, with, with Netflix, where, you know, even with, with Netflix, you know, they had some of the, um, you know, certain shows out that individuals would say was promoting pedophilia and, you know, their people pulled out in mass and you saw, you know, let's just say a 15, 20% market dip. Uh, in the share price of Netflix, you know, almost almost immediately at, at the losses, and there was real losses, but Netflix kept on going. And to your point, I think people forgot about it. People went back, um, and, and I think to a certain extent that'll happen. That'll happen here just because of the the short memories, the fact that most people are going to associate this with Bud Light or Budweiser. They won't dig into it a bit more. And uh, the the other thing, Adrian, is the fact that. You know the people that you mentioned there um, are are conservative, uh, so you know it, it it might be that let's just say the segment of drinkers that is you know country music fans they might pull out in mass, but is that going to be enough you know to make a company like Bud Light or sorry Anheuser Busch pull back and and rethink things? I don't really know that that's the case, uh, but we'll see. You know, there's always there's always hope that. People actually will will stick to it, and maybe I'm not giving the uh, the public enough credit for doing a little bit of, of research. It's only a quick Google search to just look at you know what are the Anheuser Busch brands to see that yeah may, maybe I should reevaluate my drinking choices here. So hopefully that's the case, and they will do a little bit of research and uh, yeah stand up and say enough's enough. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I really like what Matt Walsh had to say about this topic. He came out and he said, look. Uh, a lot of people are going to come out and they're going to say, look, all these companies are woke. You have Netflix is woke. Um, they, what is it? Uh, Jack Daniels came out supporting drag queens recently. Um, all these companies, every single, even the other beer companies are woke. You have Miller Lite is, has, has rainbow colored flag ones. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do something. And so they said what, what the left is really good at doing is they will attack one person and make an example of them. Like, for instance, we see the person who made the bake to the cakes, and they said, uh, we're going to sue this person into oblivion. And who is this person? It's just some random dude, some random dude who bakes cakes, and they're like, I'm not going to make a LGBT cake. I'm not going to support gay marriage in my, in my work. And they're suing them out of oblivion. Why? Not because they care about this one individual man, because they're using him to make an example. They're saying, hey, look, I know there are tons of Christians out there who own bakes, who own cake, uh, cake bakers or cake bakers and similar fields. And y'all better watch out because we're going to be coming after y'all, too. I have a friend who's a photographer who got out of the photography business because they didn't want to get sued for not photographing gay wedding uh, ceremonies. So that's what they're really good at. And so Matt Walsh made the point and said, Look, we don't have to boycott everyone. We just need to pick a couple and one at a time and make an example of them, get them to back down. And, hey, sorry, it's not anything against you in particular, but you're the one that got the public consciousness. And so we're going to go after you full force. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, that's a great point, Adrian. I, th I think in the case of, of Bud Light, I think that in from what, what I've read, at least, you know, 
even from distributors, like they've already felt the the impact of people just not uh, picking up Bud Light. Because if, if you were to go into at least in the grocery stores around where I'm at, uh, you know, light beer is a huge huge part of the beer aisle so you go in there and it's like half the beer aisle seems like it's light beer bud light coors light miller light um and you know if that's not moving then yeah i i think you will you'll see some of the impact right away to your point about it being targeted and the fact that again this is outside of june i think that maybe there's some hope that people will see this and be like okay we're going to we're going to boycott Bud Light. They might go to Coors Light, they might go to Miller Light even though all those other companies also support the same agenda. Uh it's just not as obvious, but maybe that'll stick in their mind and then they'll boycott Bud enough that maybe Bud will pull back a, a little bit. Not not entirely, but maybe they'll drop Dylan, you know, temporarily and uh so there is hope for that very reason the fact that it's just not white noise right now. Now, if Trident Team Brewing became a a company that sold beer publicly in a heartbeat. I would switch over to Trident Team Brewing, and I would be purchasing your beer, Trevor, uh, have it shipped over to Texas. It would be a good time. I'd stock my fridge with it, just buy tons of it so that way. Is it's that every, legal? Oh, and when it's not right now, that's why we're it's, – it's a being the – I think it's very interesting. So, Trevor, what is the holdup for you starting a uh, a instead of having just a local family brewery that you kind of just give away free beer to, to your friends and family? Uh, what's stopping you from seizing the market, going all Daily Wire and starting your own uh, beer company and taking a little bit of that market share? Um, fantastic question, Adrian, because I've got this question a lot. Um, so beer, uh, unfortunately, unlike something, let's just say, like, any other other product because of the long history of of prohibition uh there's about 10,000 hurdles in the way for beer in particular alcohol and so uh there's there's certain hurdles you have to get over one of which is uh, the fact that you can't actually even even if you're a commercial brewery which we're not yet but uh even if you're a commercial brewery you actually can't sell your beer in a store or even ship the beer unless you have a distributor. And distributors are third required middlemen and not all breweries even get a distribution deal. So what we're working on right now is a distribution deal. We'll see how that, that goes. We're in serious conversations with a uh, distributor. And if that goes well, then we'll be looking to partner with another um, non, non uh, woke commercial brewery to uh, brew partner with them to at least initially get the beer out and that, that does well look at uh at the financials of establishing our, our own brewery uh to brew the beer so that's what we are looking at but the the key part is the distribution part because yeah we, we couldn't ship it to you uh adrian or even get it in in store shelves even if we had our own tap room uh locally it wouldn't be possible without you know something as fundamental as just the distribution deal. So we're we're working on that, and uh, things are looking hopeful. So all prayers are are appreciated. If Lord willing, it uh, it goes through. Amen, amen. It would be, it would be a blessing to have it, and maybe the solution is having a dozen or maybe fifty Trevors across the country, one in every state, starting their own local brewery and selling in their state. It would be much much easier than shipping across state lines because you got to deal with every different state has different laws in regards to 
the way these uh, these kind of things work. Uh, but Trevor, uh, until we are able to buy Tridentine Brewing in our states, what can people do? Do you recommend local breweries? You remember? Do you recommend just like, all right, just swear off alcohol? Like, what's the what's the, the what's the strategy here? Yeah, so uh, a couple things. Um, the uh, the easiest thing I would say is look look locally. Uh, to your point, Adrian. Now, with that said, it, it's always good to Google your local brewery and see uh, because a lot of times the local brewery, especially if they're supporting, um, let's just say the the Rainbow Agenda, they'll they'll have it very uh, very proudly displayed on their website typically. So that's one good way to see you know, is this something that I want to support. Uh, many times. Local breweries uh, are not involved in this in this type of uh, promotion of this agenda. So, uh, in many cases, you might be good with just buying local. So, I'd I'd go ahead and push people towards doing that. Uh, there is also other options like the uh, the monks of Nursia. They actually ship into the states from Italy. Uh, so, you could go that route. But I would also say, you know, as a third, as a third option, uh, while, while Tridentine isn't, isn't available is, uh, go ahead and look into brewing your own beer. Uh, so it's definitely, it can be at times labor intensive, but the nice part about home brewing is it doesn't take a huge startup cost. So with a couple hundred dollars, you can get going brewing beer and you can make whatever you want and uh, supply some homebrew for your friends and family. Amen. Amen. And you know, your website, uh, Trevor, where can people get in touch with you? Where can people find more? Yeah, thank you, Adrian. So feel free to get in touch with us at www.tridentinebrewing.com. That's tridentinebrewing.com. Check them out. Tridentine Brew on social media. Tridentine Brewing. Thank you very much, Trevor, for joining us. God bless you. God love you. And happy Easter. You too, Adrian. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for the first hour. If you can stay with us, then stay with us for the next hour. We're going to be talking about Easter, a little bit of talk on the resurrection. And we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up. So make sure you join us. God bless you. God love you. And Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish. And we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we had never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. 
jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy from Friendswood. I'm Leah Wynn from Mary Queen Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Christus resurrexit, alleluia. Resurrexit, very, alleluia. Christ is risen, alleluia. Truly, he is risen, alleluia. Praise be to God. It is the Easter season. We are currently in the Easter octave. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you. And the sun is rising. I can see the pink of the sunrise coming up. It's beautiful. And a beautiful thing. You think we're living in the Easter season, and every time you look at that sun rising in the morning, think to yourself, the rising sun is a symbol of the rising sun. Praise be to God. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to think about today. We were just talking to my buddy Trevor with Trident Team Brewing. You should definitely check out their website, even if you don't like beer. It's just really cool because all his beers are named after different saints, like his Our Lady of Mount Carmel Brown Ale. Uh, it's a, he has an image, beautiful image of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. His brother does all the labeling for him. So he has a, a blessed Carl of, uh, of, ha- of Habsburg, uh, and his beer is Habsburg Vienna Lager. So you get it. It's a, it's a Vienna Lager, and it's Edward von Habsburg. Habsburg, but it's Habsburg. Whenever he was talking to Eduardo ha- uh, Habsburg, uh, he told him, and, his, and Edward didn't get it. He was like, Habsburg? I, I don't know. It's, it's wrong. But it's really, it's really kind of funny. So uh, definitely check out his website. He has all sorts of really cool labels. I've been telling him that he needs to sell his labels. Since he can't sell the beer, he should sell the labels because they're beautiful, beautiful labor, labels. Like his Stella Maris Baltic Porter is a beautiful image of Our Lady Star of the Sea. And it's all blue. It's just, it's very beautiful. So he should, you should definitely check it out. And he told me... He is working in the process because I keep harassing him. I'm like, dude, you got to sell these. Like, I get it. He just gives away his stuff. He gives it away to churches and they uh, we auction it off at events. So he's a really generous guy. But I'm like, dude, you need to make some of your money back. You are just giving away all this stuff and praise be to God. But you should make a little bit of money off it. Sell your labels at least as magnets, as stickers, things like that. It'd be really cool. So definitely check him out. Say a prayer for him. Uh, there's no way to financially support him at the moment. So at the very least, offer a prayer for him. I hope that it takes off and that he's able to uh, to sell it. It would be a good thing to have some Catholics in this sphere. 
So think about that. When you when you purchase things, think, how can I buy Catholic? Buy Catholic coffee, buy Catholic beer, buy Catholic, buy uh, from your from our fellow our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a great practice to have. Uh, but what did you think about that conversation, Tito? Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I but I do understand some of the 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 caution as not caution but the hesitancy as to uh, any of these boycotts would work because I've been involved in some boycotts in the past, and and I I've seen the efforts of the fruits of our efforts are are, are very few and far between. But I do like that idea uh, that Matt Walsh was saying that we need a target one. And I'm just curious, have they decided on, on whom to target? Yeah, they're saying Anheuser-Busch. I'm they're in. saying do it. So, I mean, that's what we did. If everybody, like, for especially coming up on big holidays like Easter, yeah. you know, we purchased probably $10, $20, $30, $40, worth of beer for our family, which is not that much. But if there's a ton of families doing that, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of money that they're losing right there. And I think uh, coming up, there's a huge boxing fight. I know not everybody is boxing fans, but my family is. And we're going to be <laughs> having a little party on uh, the 20th, on the 22nd, I think is actually the date. And we're going to be purchasing beer. And guess what? We will not be purchasing Good. in Heiser Bush. And which is, it's just, it's bad for us because we typically get Corona and Corona Modelo. And that's what we always get. So it's actually is, they actually are losing a little bit of money by us not purchasing. Because Mod- we actually do buy their beer. Modelo is is uh, distributed by Bush. It's uh, parent company's Anheuser Busch. Oh no! Yeah, I know, I know it. It's crazy. They that's their so it's Carbach. Big ones. Yeah, so Carbach is a local Houston brewer, and so we we're buying a little bit from Carbach. We're buying not um, anymore. Some other stuff like that. Well, Carbach is is uh, local. Yeah, but they're owned by Anheuser Busch. Are they? Yes. Really? Yes. I didn't they know got that. bought out a few years ago. Really? Yes, yes they sold out. Oh, it's wow. no longer Texan. It's not even American. See, it's, that's crazy. It's in Belgium. Anheuser Busch is a conglomerate owned in Belgium. They're so, they're foreign. I didn't know that. Yeah. See, no, that's, no that's bueno. so annoying. I, even like nothing can be local anymore. I was making no. this complaint about Bucky's. I because I love Bucky's. And they uh, no. were a Texas thing. Yes. And then they opened up a Bucky's in Alabama. Oh, yeah. And then they're talking about opening one in Louisiana and opening one in Oklahoma. And I'm happy for them. I'm glad they're growing, and I'm glad that they're making the money that they want to make. But at the same time, not everything needs to be an international or a national business. Not everything needs to make millions of dollars. We need to have small local companies doing small local things. Like if there was a Bucky's and that happened and then it was only one, if there was only one in Texas or maybe just throughout Texas, that'd be such a great thing. And you get to keep the quality high. You get to keep it local. You get to keep it with Texas pride. And I I really would encourage people, if you're going to start a business, think local. Maybe not everything needs to be a million dollar company. If it becomes that, praise be to God. But being bought out by these major companies and you're selling your soul you're the, you're the soul of your company for this. It's just so tragic because you you try to you want to support your local community, and it becomes almost impossible because they all get per, bought out by other people. As, as Catholics, we we need to take the initiative and start. I remember in the South, uh, amongst the uh, Americans of African heritage, back in the fifties and sixties and forties, and before that, they'd ca- they had this book called the Yellow Book, I think, or um, it could be another color, Blue Book. The yellow book, and it was a special catalog that showed any uh, 
black-owned businesses that they would frequent, not because they were boycotting white businesses, it's because they were unable to visit the white businesses, especially in, in many parts of the South. The Catholics should do something on that initiative and start our own little book and so to, to have lists of businesses that align with the teachings, or at least do not oppose the teachings and distribute it amongst ourselves and start frequenting them. That I mean, that would be a nice start. Yeah, I agree. I I would love to have uh, some Catholic companies and to just support our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that would be a great way to start. So that's your task for today: is find out your who are your local Catholics. What are they selling? What are they offering? Do you have uh, someone who does windows? Someone who does roofing? Someone who does lawn work? And hire Catholics. Hire your Catholics. And at the very least, you'll be supporting your brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if it costs an extra couple dollars, it's worth it to not support these uh, international conglomerates, these faceless organizations, and instead uh, supporting your neighbor. It'd be a great thing to start. I want to talk a little bit about Easter. We're in the Easter octave. We're, we're in this season where we are especially meditating upon the resurrection of our Lord. I think it's very interesting here, St. Vincent Ferrer, he actually has a sermon for the Easter octave now. And traditionally, in the Easter octave, you would read the same readings every single day. So every day during the octave was the same reading. So the reading that we read this morning would be the same reading that you read every day. And so St. Vincent Ferrer had a, had a sermon for the entirety of the octave. Now here he says, think about it. And I tell you, perhaps all through the whole week, the apostles worked to convince him, him being Thomas, even the Virgin Mary and Mary Magdalene, Thomas would have been embarrassed perhaps to deny it in the presence of the Virgin Mary, but behind her back, he was possibly asking, would not a mother tell a lie on behalf of her son? Christ saw that neither the apostles nor his mother were able to convince him. So Christ himself, moved by mercy, after eight days from his first appearance, came and doors closed, entered, saying, Peace be to you. Now you think about that and you're like, whew, like imagine a doubting Thomas not understanding the resurrection, not believing in the resurrection. And that really comes down to us, right? It comes down to us because we can have proof of the resurrection, but we can't have scientific or the modern kind of proof that we would require for a lot of things. We have historical proof. We have more evidence for the resurrection than we do for many of the historical figures in history. Like, for instance, we have more proof of our Lord and his resurrection than we do of Julius Caesar. We have more proof than the authors of the Iliad and the, and the Odyssey. We have more proof than many of the figures of Alexander the Great and many of these figures in the past. We have historical evidence that this happened. However, we don't have photos. We don't have videos. We don't have uh, the, well, I was going to say we don't have the like, DNA testing, but theoretically we do with the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. But assuming that someone would deny that, it becomes very difficult to believe. And this is why our Lord said, blessed is he who does not see and yet still believes. This is not to say that we should be unrational, irrational with our beliefs. This is instead to say that we have to be supernatural, rational, to have ration be supernaturalized. And recognize that our Lord has risen. Truly, he has risen. And 
for us who have seen our Lord veiled, to see our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, humbled, humbled to come to us as appearing as a piece of bread, allowing himself to be there where we could commit sacrilege. We could abuse him. And he humbles himself in that way for us. And now you may think to yourself, why does our Lord come to us veiled? Now there's a, it's a mercy that he comes to us veiled. Because you have to remember, the word revelation, so you think about the, um, the book of Revelation. It's traditionally known as the book of the apocalypse. Uh, revelation is a translation of apocalypse. But a better translation of apocalypse is actually unveiling, for something to be unveiled. Now, when our Lord came, when he came to us in the nativity, he came to us as a babe. He came to us humbled. He came to us poor. He came to us weak. And then he came to us as a man and the cross. He came to us resurrected in mercy, having so much mercy as to reveal to Thomas, even though he doubted. He came to Thomas and he had him place his fingers into his side. And then he came to us in the Blessed Sacrament, most humbled in this bread, in this wine, and came to us as these objects. And he's humbled in this way. But then he came to us veiled, right? Here in the Blessed Sacrament, he's truly there, body, blood, soul, and divinity, but he's veiled. But then at the apocalypse, there will be an unveiling there will be a revelation. And then our Lord comes in his justice. He comes in his wrath. The time of mercy will be over. The time of repentance will be over. For it will be the end of days. And so let us recognize that our Lord here has given us such a grand mercy. And that we should take advantage of that mercy. And say, I will be repentant now. Not later. I'll be repentant now. I prepare myself now. I will prepare my way, receive our Lord worthily, especially during this Easter season, which is most geared toward the resurrection. It's most geared toward reception of Holy Communion. So during this Easter octave, let me encourage you, if you haven't, if you for some reason were able to make it to confession, go to confession and receive Holy Communion worthily. Prepare yourself, meditate upon the fact that our Lord is present there, that our Lord has come in his resurrection, that he is risen, and that he has the power over death, and death where is thou sting, because our Lord has conquered it. For our bodies will be resurrected one day, and we will join him in paradise, and it will be a blessed day. During the after show, I want to talk a little bit more about the resurrection. I want to read to you all a little bit of this sermon from St. Vincent Ferrer. And I'll have more discussions on it. But for right now, that's going to do it because we're going to go into our game show. So if you want to be a part of our game show, make sure you dial the number 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. You can also go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you do so, our number is listed there. But that number one more time, 877-757-9424. You could be the contestant. Call now, and you could be the first caller. 
We always take the first caller, that number, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling after this. I've never heard y'all before. There is this lady with her big white SUV, and on the back of the windshield is this big cross with y'all's radio station underneath. Put it on y'all's radio station anyhow, and then it starts talking about the saints and how the saints give you signs, and they lead you into the right direction. I just appreciate you and God for putting that sign in my life and letting me know that it, it is him, and it's okay. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, You are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You are free to say that he exists and is evil. You are free to say that he would like to exist if he could. You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or boil him to rags of metaphysics. And it is not merely that nobody punishes, but nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for changing one's conduct, then the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It is now thought irreverent to be a believer. Want more than a minute? Visit our website chesterton.org Hey Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children, and if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be a contestant on our Fear and Trembling Game Show. That number, 877-757-9424. We'll take the first caller, as we always do. And you may be asking, what am I calling for? Well, we are playing our Fear and Trembling Game Show, our Catholic trivia game show, where you, we don't ask you the questions. No, instead, we ask Tito the questions, and Tito's going to give us an answer. It's going to be your job. You're going to have 15 seconds on the clock. And your job is to say whether or not he's right or wrong. That means it's a 50-50 chance. Each and every question is a 50-50 chance to get it right. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you for asking. The Fear and Trembling prize for this week is an Our Lady of Guadalupe banner and pin bundle. The prize is from Studio Sen, a small creative company founded on the goal of designing passionately Catholic art and illustrations. Visit StudioSen.com for all your Catholic gifts and decor. That is StudioSen, spelled S-E-N-N, dot com. Awesome. Praise be to God. 
Thank you very much, studiosin.com. And that number, if you want to be a contestant and be a participant in our Fear and Trembling game show, all you have to do is dial 877-757-9424. That's the number. You dial it, and we take the first caller. I'm looking over my left, and there are uh, no callers on the line currently, which means that whoever calls in next will be the contestant. And let me encourage you, if you've never called in before, we'd love to have you, especially during this Easter octave. That number, 877-757-9424, That's the number to call. If you want to be a contestant on our Fear and Trembling game show, we love to have our contestants. And uh, we had an Alabama caller last week. That's always really cool to have Alabama callers. Uh, we love our San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas callers. But every now and then, it's pretty cool to have people outside of Texas call in, especially Alabama. We love Alabama. Uh, 877-757-9424. If there is no contestants today, then what's going to happen is I'm gonna we're gonna play the game show nonetheless. <laughs> but what's gonna happen is that the I'm gonna choose who goes into the coffee cup of divine providence, and it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. That number eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Make sure you write down that number so that way you can call in in the future. Put it on speed dial. And because we always take the first caller, and if you want to hop on early, that's you're always welcome. Seven o'clock Central Time is the time whenever we start allowing people to call in, and you could just hang on hold if you would like, because we just had our phone lines light up. We had one, two, three, four, five, six phone calls just come in, and so if you are not the contestant for today, then make sure you call in tomorrow. We still have opportunities every single day this week. So make sure you dial and you keep that number on your speed dial, that number 877-757-9424. Make sure you put that number into your into your speed dial and put it down as Catholic Drive Time. So that way we can make sure that we uh, get you on the show because we love to have brand new people and our repeat callers. We always love to have them. Uh, but joining us right now is, let's see, is that... Denise, good morning to you, Denise. Good morning. Denise, where are you calling from? Uh, Garden Ridge, Texas. Garden Ridge, Texas. Praise be to God. Where is Garden Ridge, Texas near? Well, I'll tell you, San Antonio is our biggest suburb. There you go. This is the biggest suburb. I like the way you put that. Praise be to God. Uh, Garden Ridge, near the small suburb of uh, San Antonio, Texas. That's awesome. <laughs> and what is Garden Ridge known for? Um, probably a lot of retired military folks. Oh, that's awesome. Praise be to God. We we love our military, so praise be to God for that. How was your Easter? Did you enjoy? Did you have a big fat lamb on Easter? No, we um, went to our parents' assisted living facility, and we ate with them there, and. Uh, had a little family dinner there. So That's very awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Praise be to God. We'd love to hear it. I hope your Easter and your, uh, I hope your Lent went well and that your Triduum was blessed. And I hope you have a blessed octave. Make sure you eat all the ice cream cake and all the desserts during the holy octave of Easter. Uh, but 
Denise, are you familiar with how the game works? Are you uh, ready to play the game? I'm ready to play. All right, let's do it. So, the first question here goes to Tito. Tito, are you ready? I am ready, Freddy. You are ready, Freddy. Actually, my name is Adrian. Just I can't find up. something to rhyme with don't, that. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, the question on the board. Before Mary appeared to the children of Fatima, who appeared to her? To oh. the children of Fatima. That's a tough one. Kind of a tough one, but uh, it's the Angel of Portugal... Not a sheep or their pet dog, but it was the angel of Portugal that appeared to the children. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So before Mary, you're saying the angel of Portugal appeared to the children of Fatima. All right. If you say so. Uh, Denise, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is before Mary, who appeared to the children at Fatima? Tito seems to think that it's the angel of Portugal. What say you, Denise? False. You say that's false? Are you sure you want to go with false? I'm going to go for it. She's going to go for it. Okay. Oh, Denise. Ouch. In fact, it is true. The angel of Portugal did appear to the children of Fatima. They prepared the way for Our Lady. They also taught them the prayers of, Lord, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg your pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. I was taught to the three children of Fatima by the angel of Portugal. But don't worry. Don't worry, Denise. We're going to get you in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence today. You got one wrong, but we're going to get the other two right. I'm sure of it. But uh, it is, in fact, the case. And you know what that also proves? A side tangent. It proves that every country has their own guardian angel. That's right. That's right. So maybe pray to you, the guardian angel of your country today, of the United States of America. Or Texas. Right. Or Texas. Yeah, true that. All right, Denise, let's go to question number two. The question here is, which 5th century heresy denied original sin and thus the necessity of grace? Which, wow. Uh, easy question. E easy. Easy uh, question. Uh, I'd say gracism. Gracism, okay. Yes. All right, gracism, uh, which is different from, from gracism. Yes, okay. from gracism, yeah, okay. yeah uh, the okay. MMA guy. Uh, right, exactly. I, yeah, you know that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly was not expecting, but for, that's okay. Cool, cool, no. All right, Denise, the question on the board here, which 5th century heresy denied original sin and thus the necessity of grace Tito here is saying gracism, which I don't know. I sounds like something that is uh, a little made up to me. But 15 seconds on the clock, Denise. What say you? Which fifth century heresy denied original sin and thus a necessity of grace? Uh, Tito says gracism. Is he right? Is he wrong? Is it true? Is it false? What say you, Denise? It sounds made up to me too. I'm going to go with false again. She's going to go with false. <laughs> Way to go, Denise! Praise be to God. Congratulations. The correct answer is Pelagianism. Pelagianism is the heresy that denied original sin and thus the necessity of grace. It's kind of the, they call it the pull your boots up by the bootstraps kind of theology. It's like, you can do it. You can, you can be saved by your own power. Uh, Pelagianism. Uh, but let's jump into question number three. Denise, are you ready for question number three? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here is the question. What 
Feast is on June 24th. Oh, I know this one. I know this one. He leapt before the presence of our Lord when Mary visited his mom, St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist. The birth, uh, his birthday, June it's 24th. His birth. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, it's interesting. There's only three birthdays celebrated in the church. That's, That's John true. the Baptist, the Virgin Mary, and our blessed Lord. That's it. But praise you to God. Denise, the question on the board here is, what feast is on June 24th? 15 seconds on the clock. What feast is on June 24th? Tito says it's the birth of St. John the Baptist. What say you, Denise? Uh, true. She's going to go with true. Way to go, Denise. Praise be to God. You nailed it. Excellent, Denise. Denise. from Garden Ridge, Texas, nailing it. Uh, could not fool her. She got two for three. Praise be to God. How do you feel, Denise? <laughs> Pretty good. Those were hard questions. Those were hard questions, I have to admit. Question number two actually might be one of the hardest questions we've actually ever had. It was a pretty difficult question, but you nailed it. You got the hardest question, and so I think that's pretty excellent. Uh, where are you off to today? I am going to oh, – I've got a lot of errands to do. I'm actually going for a mammogram right now. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, prayers for you and, uh, and all that you do today. Hopefully you were able to accomplish all the errands you have and everything goes exactly as you desire it or exactly as our Lord has desired it. And remember, Denise, give it all to Our Lady. Whenever you're the busiest, ask Our Lady, and then you everything will get accomplished. Everything. But God bless you, Denise. Stay on the line. We're going to make sure we get your contact information so that way we can uh, give you a call if we pull your name on Friday. So stay on the line. But God bless you. God love you. And, and Christ is risen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise be to God. Stay on hold. And that's going to do it for today. And we're going to go into our after show. If you can join us, hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and comment down below. We'd love to interact with you. So hop on there. If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God love you. God bless you. And Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Those who are newly baptized at the Easter Vigil. Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Our triumphant holy day. Alleluia. Who did once upon the cross 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and shall prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Gloria in excelsis Deo, et in terra pax hominibus, bonae voluntatis, laudamus te, benedicibus te, Adoramus te, glorificamus te, gratias agibus tibi, propter maniam gloriam tuam, domine Deus rex celestis, Deus pater omnipotens, Domine fili unigenite, Jesu Christe, Domine Deus agnus Dei, Filius Patris, qui tollis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis. Qui tollis peccata mundi, suscipe deprecationem nostram. Qui sedes ad exteram patris, miserere nobis, quoniam tu solus sanctus, tu solus dominus. Tu solus altissimus, Jesu Christe, cum sancto spiritu, in gloria Dei Patris. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who give constant increase to your church by new offspring, grant that your servants may hold fast in their lives to the sacrament they have received in faith. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the eleven, 
raised his voice and proclaimed, You who are Jews, indeed all of you staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. You who are children of Israel, hear these words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man commended to you by God with mighty deeds, wonders, and signs, which God worked through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the set plan and foreknowledge of God, you killed, using lawless men to crucify him. But God raised him up, releasing him from the throes of death, because it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Therefore my heart has been glad and my tongue has exalted. My flesh too will dwell in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. My brothers, one can confidently say to you about the patriarch David that he died and was buried, and his tomb is in our midst to this day. But since he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that neither was he abandoned to the netherworld, nor did his flesh see corruption. God raised this Jesus. Of this we are all witnesses. Exalted at the right hand of God, he poured forth the promise of the Holy Spirit that he received from the Father, as you both see and hear. The word of the Lord. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. Keep me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, My Lord, are you. O Lord, my allotted portion and my cup, you it is who hold fast my lot. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. I bless the Lord who counsels me. Even in the night my heart ex- even in the night my heart exhorts me. I set the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body too abides in confidence. Because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your faithful one to undergo corruption. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. You will show me the path to life, fullness of joys in your presence, the delights at your right hand forever. Keep me safe, O God. You are are my hope. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce the the news to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had happened. 
the chief priests assembled with the elders and took counsel. Then they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this gets to the ears of the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has circulated among the Jews to the present day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate Easter for eight days. We call this the octave of Easter. It has, a very, it has very ancient origins, probably around the third or fourth century. We know people like St. Augustine and St. Ambrose, St. John Chrysostom. These uh, talked about the octave as a time of kind of post-baptismal um, catechesis. We today prepare people for months and months and months to, and then are baptized and receive their sacraments. But then, of course, when all these people all of a sudden were coming into the church in droves, then they, could, they would prepare them a little bit, but it was really afterwards, in this week of Easter, that they would tell them about this new life that they had received, kind of exposing what we call today mystagogical catechesis, a kind of unfolding of what this new life is to, be, is to mean for them. So all those who had been baptized would come to the church every day dressed in their white robes that they had received at the Easter Vigil, and they'd been baptized and received the First Holy Communion, and they're confirmed and received the First Holy Communion, in order to be instructed. Now for us, so of course, who have did this when we were babes, it is for us a time to renew and to understand more deeply and to penetrate more, uh, more deeply that, this new life that we have received. See, if Christmas time was about God as being light, and that light coming into the world, and the light and the darkness should not overcome it. Easter is about life. The Christ is the light and the life. He is our life. And so, as we as we come in this in this new in this new season, renewed in our baptism, we come to understand better this life. Now, you might say the octave of Easter is kind of like a keeping up with appearances, because every day of this week. Jesus appears to his disciples in some way as proof that he has been raised from the dead. Although it begins with an empty tomb, and that should maybe disconcert us a little bit, as it, as it did Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who were both fearful yet overjoyed, it's when they meet the Lord Jesus that is the proof that he is alive. See, even the soldiers, you know, they had to make up some kind of story because they didn't want to get in trouble. You know, and they didn't want this, this thing to kind of go viral, as we would call it today. They wanted to keep it hushed. They wanted to keep it um, in, in the quiet. And so they paid him off in order to say, well, this they say they stole his body and they want to make up this story. But Jesus Christ appears to Mary Magdalene and this other Mary to reveal that he is alive. And he tells them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And so as Jesus, in a way, appears to us, not in our visible eyes, but, but through our faith, he appears to us in this holy season of Easter, let us thank him for this new life and live it more profoundly. He has freed us from our sins. He has given us new, we have been given new life in Christ, and God wants us to live that to the full. Amen.
Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the good shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them, let us pray to the Lord. For our own community, that it may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Pray for the intentions of those here present, those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio Media Network and also through uh, uh, those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. For all, there's in, all their intentions, we pray to the Lord. Remember to all those who have received their sacraments at the Easter Vigil, uh, that they may come to know more deeply and live more profoundly their, this new life that had been given in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you. Through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept graciously, O Lord, we pray, the offerings of your peoples, that renewed by confession of your name and by baptism, they may attain unending happiness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But on this day above all to laud you yet more gloriously, 
when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. For he is the true Lamb who has taken away the sins of the world. By dying he has destroyed our death, and by rising restored our life. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of, your, of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one, into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all, who have, and, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life 
and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not, not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, dona nobis pace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Christ, having risen from the dead, dies no more. Death will no longer have dominion over him. Alleluia. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. 
since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who has washed us in the tide Flowing from his wounded side Praise we him whose love divine Gives his guests his blood for wine Gives his body for the feast. Love the victim, love the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheathes his sword. Israel's host triumphant go Through the wave that drowns the foe. Christ the Lamb, whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, With sincerity and love, Eat we manna from above. Let us pray. May the grace of this Paschal Sacrament abound in our minds, we pray, O Lord, and make those you have set on the way of eternal salvation worthy of your gifts, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God, alleluia, alleluia. Regina Celi Letare, 
Alleluia. Quia quem meruisti portare. Alleluia. Resurrexit sicutixit. Alleluia. Ora pro nobis Deum. Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us. from St. Edward Youth Group and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston part of the Guadalupe Radio Network Radio for your soul Deliver us, O Lord